Welcome to A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World with your host, Anya Cates. This podcast has one mission, to rally a generation that's been labeled and groomed as lazy, triggered, and entitled, and invite us all to write a new story. One of a generation that's willing to challenge the status quo, reject black and white thinking, and opt out of each and every repressive system and box that we've been placed in. Above all else, I want to invite millennials to step up to the plate, to be vulnerable in owning our responsibility to ourselves and for walking this planet through the darkest of days. It's time to dream new dreams, write new stories, and create new futures. The great work begins. Greetings from Whitefish, Montana. I'm sitting in the car. Oh, van. Just started to rain. We've, uh, the weather's held up thus far today. It's July 4th, by the way. I think I'll probably post this today. Um, but it just started to rain. You can see the dark clouds rolling in over the mountain. I have to say, there's been a lot of or not a lot, but a significant amount of rain up here in the mountains, being in Canada and uh, Jasper and um, Banff and now being in Montana. And I have to say, I really like it. Uh, I kind of forgot how much I like weather. Um, And especially mountain weather. Um, I always appreciated this so much when I spent time in Colorado that like the weather would change so frequently and you would have multiple different weather systems moving in and out every day. It was just kind of like watching the weather on overdrive. There's so many things I love about the mountains. Um, and that is just one of the, one of the few things. Um, but anyway, I am here in Whitefish, uh, just spent a month in Canada, which was amazing. I had only been to Eastern Canada before, um, never been up to Vancouver, the Canadian Rockies, and spent quite a bit of time there, so I feel very full of Western Canada. Um, Vancouver was super amazing, the city is beautiful, met lots of cool people, um, did a bunch, spent a bunch of time driving through Jasper and Banff, which was incredible. Um, we did this amazing Via Ferrata trip, thanks to our friend Amy and Chris in uh, in Banff, never done that before. It's basically <clears throat> scaling the side of a mountain, uh, holding on to like, it's basically like poor man's climbing, I have to say. Um, there are like metal hooks and steps that you step on and you kind of work your way up and down the mountain. That was fucking amazing. Um, what else? We saw lots of, on that same trip actually, it was at the mountain Norquay, which is I guess a ski resort. Um, just like Bighorn sheep just chilling. If you follow me on Instagram, uh, I posted some photos and some videos of that. It was sort of like being in a magical world. Um, pretty incredible. Of course, everyone that worked there was like, oh yeah, the fucking bighorn sheep, they come by every day. And you know, all of us tourists were mesmerized. That was really cool. Um, we spent a little bit of time in a town called Fernie, um, sort of closer toward the Canadian-American border. That was awesome. Um, and then came back down into the U.S. Um, 
still kind of getting reacclimated to the U.S. in very funny ways. Uh, one of them being that Canadians apparently call bathrooms washrooms, and I just decided to start calling them washrooms because I didn't want to say bathroom and people would look at me like, what are you talking about? And I realized how ridiculous actually both of those words are. Like, we're not really washing or bathing. Like, we're peeing. Like, where's the piss room? I don't know. Anyway, both of those words are weird and I keep catching myself asking Americans in restaurants, where's the washroom? Anyway, um, sort of just getting reacclimated, kind of forgetting that I'm back in the States. Um, but just been in Montana so far, which has been awesome. I haven't been to Montana in probably a decade or so and, uh, mostly have spent time down in like the Bozeman area. So haven't totally explored, um, Glacier. The good news is that, uh, we've sort of informally decided that we're extending this trip indefinitely. There might be a patch or two of time where we kind of go back to LA briefly and then come back out. But, uh, everything's kind of taking longer than we thought it would, which is nice. And we don't necessarily have to get back, at least not permanently. Um, so we've kind of felt better about just taking our time and we, a friend came out to visit and we dropped her off in Missoula and then we're like, well, we're not really done with Montana. Let's go back North. And I've never been to Glacier anywhere around Glacier. So we're going to do that a little bit. Apparently there's some sort of road up to a glacier that's closed to cars for the next month and they only let bikes go there. Um, so that definitely sounds like something I would love to do <clears throat> on the bikes that we brought. Um, speaking of it, uh, extending this trip indefinitely, um, I've got a pretty amazing apartment in Topanga, um, which for those of you that don't know is basically between Santa Monica and Malibu. Um, it's in the mountains. It's kind of like all of a sudden you're in the city and then you take a turn and you're like in Colorado. Um, but it's gorgeous. It's like a one bedroom. Great for a person or a couple. Um, I found someone to sublet it through um, July, but I thought I was going to be back in August. Now that I'm not, it's available August, September, October, potentially beyond. Um, just looking to cover my rent, which is $2,000 a month. So if you want to uh, spend some time in Topanga, let me know. It's a really gorgeous apartment. Uh, you basically, there's a huge front deck, and from the deck you can see maybe like one house out in the canyon. Um, it's like a quick 20 minute drive to Santa Monica, 15 minutes from the Valley. Um, really cool place. So if you're interested, um, soups, just hit a box. Um, if you're interested, just, um, hit me up anywhere. Um, social media or my email, anyacates at gmail.com. And what else? Um, I don't want to talk too much. Uh, I want to go enjoy the day, even though it's raining. <laughs> enjoy the rain. Um, this episode, oh boy, you guys, you are in for a treat, for sure. This episode is a long time coming, sort of. I mean, uh, it's with my friend Aaron. We actually haven't been friends for very long, but pretty much immediately when we met, we're like, we have to record a podcast. Um, so that's been a few months in the making. Um, Aaron flew out uh, to Calgary and drove with us down into Montana. So we had about six days with her and we recorded this on the morning she left. I won't tell you much more about the scene because we definitely set the scene in the episode. Um, but it was really cool. Um, Aaron and I talk about, um, identifying as a whore 
And I would say, uh, although I've talked quite frequently about gender and sexuality on this podcast, I, I think this is definitely the most vulnerable and explicit of them all. So have fun with that. Um, but this is honestly one of my favorite types of episodes to record is with a friend where you kind of forget the mics exist and you're just talking. Um, I've really enjoyed the ones that I've done with friends so far or people that I meet that, um, maybe aren't existing friends, but become fast friends because we have, uh, so much in common and think in the same way. I just love when conversations totally flow and you're like, Oh shit, I gotta press stop here. <laughs> this is being sent out to the masses. Um, but anyway, um, this is sort of like an introduction to a podcast that Aaron and I have decided to host together. I will, um, allow you to just listen to the episode to hear more about that. We talk about it at the end. Um, we're planning on launching it in the fall. It's going to be talking about a lot of the same topics we discuss on today's episode. Um, so this is sort of our like um, accountability practice in <laughs> announcing it to you all now. So we have to do it. Uh, and also just getting acclimated, I think, to um, having this type of a show in the future. I'm sort of laughing at myself getting acclimated because honestly, as I'm sure you'll hear, this conversation was extremely fluid and easy. And um, yeah, I kind of at the end of when I decided to post it today, I was like, what did we even talk about? <laughs> I feel like we talked about so much, but it was just super easy. It's like, didn't have to think, just all came out. Um, I think that's probably all I'll talk about for right now. Um, I'm very distracted by this thunderstorm that's going on, which hopefully I, hopefully you guys can hear a little bit. Maybe not. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I'll let you listen to the episode and, uh, have a couple things to say on the other side. So, um, enjoy. This will be a fun one. So... <laughs> Great timing on that sip of water. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so I am here with my friend Aaron. This is one of the few podcasts I think I've had so far where I've just interviewed, interviewed, I'm not going to interview you, <laughs> talk to my friend. Um, and we are in a bed. We went to sleep very late last night. <laughs> really? This morning? Yeah. yeah I remember yeah. it. Like, we went to bed, and very soon after, I was like, the sun's rising. <laughs> yeah, but we're also, like, in the north. Yeah. So there's a lot of freaking daylight right now. Yeah. Anyway, we're in a bed naked. And we had a fruit plate, but it's since been removed. Yeah. We nibbled and had enough. Yeah. Just wanted to set that scene for you all. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I am here with Aaron today because... Um, Obviously, it's not a surprise or anything new that I talk about gender and sexuality. Um, but this might be the most like explicit episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Aaron and I are extremely similar and uh, I think have a pretty unique female relationship. Yes, absolutely. And I, similar, I think, to how I wanted to portray my relationship with my dad, which was, is unique. I thought it was important to, um, exemplify our relationship as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so <clears throat> it's funny because, so we met through a mutual friend and part of the reason that 
we were introduced was because there was this recognition of similarity in regard to our sexuality and sexual expression. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember one of the first things you said to me where I was like, all right, I think this is going to go well. Oh, and by the way, like we talked via WhatsApp voice messages for months (laughs) before even setting foot in the same room. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Which was an interesting way to develop a friendship, but, like, kind of cool. We would leave each other legitimately 30-minute... <laughs> Mini-podcasts. Mini-podcasts, we called them, yeah. <clears throat> um, but I remember you said something to me very early on uh, that I was like, all right, this is going to go well. And you said, like, I was always the sex friend. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk about what that means? <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Um I mean, I would say as early as middle school, but maybe even earlier. Um, I was the type of friend that mostly, mostly my female friends, but as I got into high school and college and into, you know, my early 20s, men as well. But my female friends would always sort of come to me when they wanted to talk about sex. And, you know, when we were really young, it wasn't as though, at least my perception of the situation, is that it wasn't as though they were expecting some kind of, like, sage wisdom. It was just that they felt like it was a safe space to sort of toss around questions and ideas. And I felt like this is like, this is exactly right. Like this is the type of friendship that I want to build with these people who did that. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, as far back as middle school for sure, but maybe before. And was it like, I know, I mean, and obviously the reason that resonated with me is because I felt similarly, like I would, I would remember, teaching my friends how to give blowjobs, I think, I think definitely before I ever gave one. Yeah, I remember that. That's a fascinating thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I got in trouble with one of my friend's moms because I, like, referenced it in a yearbook Mm. inscription. (laughs) Remember that time I, like, showed you how to suck a cock? (laughs) Like, that did not go over well. But I think for both of us, like, this... I always said my sexuality is well integrated. That's sort of how I described it. Mm-hmm. But it had it had very little to do with actual sexual experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you felt the same way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It was just like my lens, you know, for understanding the world from a very young age. And understanding, you know, from a place of learning and growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was always a way to kind of like put things together and like um, certainly develop relationships, but also just sort of orient myself. Right. Yeah. And yeah, orient. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I guess like the word that we use and I feel like we should probably define it early on Mm -hmm. to describe ourselves is whore. Yeah. And um, Aaron texted me a couple months back 
and uh, just wrote orientation. <laughs> and at first I thought about it as like, we're going to have like a, you know, camp orientation right. to like orient people into this. And that's legitimate. Uh, but what I didn't understand, which I only was got clarity on later, is that like what she was talking about, or at least part of what you were talking about, was that that being a whore is a sexual orientation yeah. similar to whatever heterosexuality, homosexuality. Right. And that kind of blew my mind because I think like going back to this whole thing about how we orient ourselves in the world, like everything to, or I see most things through the lens of sex. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, like what are some examples of that? <laughs> oh man. Um, I don't know, everything from, like, being at a party and just watching the way people interact to, you know, certainly literature and film and music. Like, there's just sort of this innate curiosity, but also, like, tendency toward, okay, what does that mean for that person sexually, potentially? But also, like, what am I picking up on and, like, what am I learning about this thing or this situation or this group, you know, um, within that structure? And I, I, think I, I think I realized, too, like, pretty young that <clears throat> if by sort of by looking at things that way, very naturally, you know, the most natural way for me to look at things... I was learning about so much more than just sex, of course, but that like that was an access point. Um, and so it's sort of like it feels like it's everywhere now. Yeah. And. Yeah, so I guess maybe it's hard to think of entirely specific examples. Well, because yesterday when like we this. were licking ice cream cones. <laughs> Right. It's probably an obvious one. But yeah, I mean, like, I feel like every other thing that we say it turns into a sexual innuendo. Right. It's an, it's an undertone or, and right. an overtone. <laughs> like it, like a know. current. It's like a current. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that it's always there under the surface. And I think, um, I mean, we're talking about this now in a way that's very, I think, like, um, like we identify this within ourselves and we feel comfortable within that space, but that definitely hasn't always been the case. Right. At least not that we've acknowledged. Yeah. Um, I want to, I, I really like, there are so many things that I, in my life continue to remember mm -hmm. from being young and living in this space and feeling so like, I always said that like my sexuality was, I think it was the one of the one constant, um, like currents in my life that remained authentic. It was like the one thing I held on to that was never going to go away. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I remember as far back of, you know, I mean, young, yeah, middle school, uh, feeling that way and not recognizing yet that that wasn't maybe socially 
acceptable. For sure. Um, And I think about so many ways that I express that in ways that felt totally authentic and clear and clean. And it was thrown back in my face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Do you have any specific memories like that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think what you're, what you just described, I, I mean, I totally resonate, totally resonates with me, but also it's like that, there was like very early on, you know, that felt like, like sexual sort of, uh, framing and, um, like depth always felt like the truest thing, even like you're saying the most authentic thing, even in like the chaotic, you know, phases of like early adolescence. So to then, not that I totally expressed that outwardly at that age, but when I did let it out to have a lot of times the sort of like response and reflection of that expression come back in a way that was like negative or shame inducing. It, it was at first confusing and then just sort of like, I remember thinking like when I was like 14, I remember I like had a conversation with a friend and she, her reaction to my like questions around sex were like, how like, you have to be careful, (laughs) you know, like you don't want to be that girl kind of thing at 14. Like we were already sort of pitting ourselves against each other a little bit, but also, or she was trying to, but also like, you know, buying into the, the negativity around that particular type of truth and authenticity. But even then in that moment, as weird as that was, and as like kind of painful, you know, jarring, I should say, I still sort of felt like this doesn't, this doesn't apply. Like Mm. this sort of reactionary, um, perception of, you know, what, of, of what this is and who I am. Like, that's not (laughs) like the, the, the shame is, useless or something like it never really carried much weight even even early on like in some ways this has always felt so easy and like you said the most authentic the most true yeah yeah and I think the shaming around it happens often in not super direct ways because I think there's and I'm I'm still seeing that but I think now like having really come into myself and putting all the pieces together to look back and realize how many sort of like seemingly innocuous situations were really um I don't want to say detrimental because they sort of came out on top I guess but like there we go there we go (laughs) Um, but like they were like I don't know like little stabs yeah and like that wound just sort of grew and grew and grew and grew and I think 
part of what happened to me a lot in my 20s was being getting to a point where I thought like, okay, this is who I am. This is who I've always been. But there's not a place for me in this world. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because saying this is who I am and this is who I've always been and who I want to be is a like a brave statement and recognition, um, especially as you're becoming a young woman. <laughs> um, and to still sort of to still sort of see that for all that it is and believe that in spite of the like cutting and the, like I I don't think I've done that in other areas of my life in terms of my own development and growth like trusted the authenticity as much we just had a little interruption there at the door <laughs> housekeeping housekeeping Erin answered the door topless yeah I mean with a little hand towel over her dress <laughs> I don't think it helped too much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm actually like, I'm exceptionally grateful that I didn't let that go entirely. And in fact, I think it was holding on to that piece of me that allowed me to escape from what was about to be a life of inauthenticity. Yeah. Um, we were talking about this last night a bit that like, I remember so many moments in my twenties being in a monogamous relationship, living a very like housewife-esque life with a pretty standard job. And like, I really felt like I was dying Yeah, and I, and I, caused myself, I think, a lot of, like, grief and pain by exiting out of that situation in such a violent way. But I think if it weren't for that one thread, the sexual thread, which was, like, there's something off here. Like, I I don't know what else would have been strong enough to get me out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, thinking back to being young you know like I told this story I think to Aaron recently like when I was in summer camp (laughs) it was an all-girls camp although we had male counselors yeah yeah. one of whom I wanted to (laughs) ravish (laughs) I wish I could talk to him about that actually like what was that like for you that like I think he was in his early 20s and I was 14 I guess 14 15 and I was just like, I mean, I'd never had sex before. Right. But I was, I don't, I mean, I'm a, I feel like I was like a drooling at the mouth lion. So how much of that appetite did you understand at 14? Like, do you remember, do you have a sense of that? I mean, no, I don't think I had a context or a framework to understand it or see it in. But, like, in that same camp, like, one of the memories I have, and there are many, but this was an earlier one, where it was an all-girls camp. And I think I had probably, I mean, not I think, I definitely struggled with female friendships. Mm -hmm. And 
I know that when I was at sleepaway camp that I felt very seen by Mm -hmm. my friends Mm -hmm. and I felt extremely happy. Like I just felt like I could breathe and relax. And I think a lot of that was like being away from my mom probably and my family dynamics. It was like I could exist in this other space. And so I think like anytime I've done that in my life sort of like removed myself from routine. Yeah. That, uh, like obviously my true colors came out. Um, but I felt super comfortable and great in that space. And I think like our feeling is that a lot of this is what we feel normal for women, Mm -hmm. the sexual appetite, the sexual framework. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think at that age with a bunch of like girls in there, you know, who are like 10 through 14, we hadn't yet, that hadn't yet been stolen from us. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so there were ways that that was like expressed in a very pure way. And I think especially because there weren't boys our age at the camp, it almost allowed that to come out in a more pure form. Because I think as we're talking about, like, yes, this is about having sex with other people, Mm -hmm. but it's also just like a space to exist in. Anyway, we, there was one year, I think it was toward the latter end of when I was there. So I don't know, 14, maybe, um, we had this fucking amazing counselor. She was like this, like strong, powerful, hilarious woman and super like nurturing, but not like she took us so seriously, like as like legitimate humans. And there was a talent show and it's funny because we had a nickname, our cabin. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> if anyone who listens to this went to camp with me and you remember, please <laughs> phone in. Um, but we choreographed a dance to, um, what's that Moulin Rouge song? Like, voulez-vous coucher? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. that song. Yeah. Um, and we choreographed the the counselor who I had was like one of the theater women so she like helped us put it all together and so this is a bunch of 10 to 14 year old well no this was just our bunk and I think it was like we were all 13 or 14 I don't know what year it was but it was around then and uh so whatever our I mean none of us had had sex I'm pretty sure yeah um we were like we had we were interested in boys or maybe some girls uh but there wasn't anything like super explicit going on yet. Right. And we recorded this, recorded, choreographed this dance. <laughs> and like, it, I mean, it was hot, like yeah. in a 14 year old kind yeah. of a way. I remember it was when I learned how to like roll my body, which just feels like the most it's so good yeah just feels yeah yeah Yeah, and i remember i didn't know how to do it and that was part of the part of the choreography and i was like i need to like do this and i practiced and practiced and practiced and finally got it and it was like a big thing anyway we we learned this dance we like bonded it felt so pure and so good and we were so happy and like powerful and you had to like audition for the talent show, which wasn't really like, they just wanted to make sure it was like worth doing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like no one ever got rejected. It was just like, we're just, anyway, we auditioned and the, I don't really know whose decision it was in the end, but the camp 
the person who led the camp said we couldn't do it because it was too inappropriate. Wow. And we were devastated. Sure, yeah. Like, crying, angry. Like, I camp was one of the most beautiful, positive memories I have, but that made me infuriated. Was it confusing? Well, the reason they gave us was because, like, there were little girls at the camp. So there were going to be young, but like there would, we, but there's way to ways there were, there could have been ways to solve for that. Right. Right. Like, well, why don't we perform last? And the the little girls don't know the difference anyway. Like they're little, like they'll be fine. We'll do this as like a last, like, is there any way that we can just like show what we did in any context? And they said, no, they wouldn't work with us. And our counselor, I mean, like to her credit, like she was also pissed and Mm. felt terrible and tried really hard. But there was nothing that anybody could do. Although we had like socials with boys camps. Uh And um, I remember that year we had one. They had them on like the tennis courts. Sure. And uh, that song came on and we all did the dance. And it was like sweet oh, revenge yes. for Story sure. A happy ending. We yeah. were like surrounded. Oh my god. Anyway, That's perfect. Yeah. So stuff like that that I think it's like when you're that young mm-hmm. too. Like I didn't know really what was going on. It was like okay, something about like me feeling powerful in my body. It wasn't overtly sexual for me. I didn't. I didn't think of it that way. It was like I just feel good. I feel good in my body, and right. yet. I, we all got a very clear signal that like, not okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get that signal at summer camp, but I definitely got that signal around the same time. And just listening to you, I'm realizing how interesting it is that there's a period in a woman's life, well, a girl's life where this thing is starting to develop this sexuality or this like perception of what it means to be sexual or to like hold yourself in a sexual light that there's a period of time where that is developing at the same time that like you said the culture hasn't stolen the sort of purity of that development mm-hmm. and it's such like profound and specific growth that there's a window where you don't even really understand what you're learning. Like you said, you just know it feels good. Yeah. And it's, it's open to you kind of, you know, in a way that once you do start to understand it, it becomes less open because there's all this shame and bullshit and fear and like, yeah, that's really interesting because I remember feeling that too. Like I'm learning something or like I'm coming into something that is so clear and true and like I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. Exactly anyway. Um, but I know it's related to like my body and like my, you know, my relationships with, I mean, my female friends were my first sexual partners. So that was a piece of it too, but it's all developing in this really specific kind of intense way. 
Yeah, and that too, I mean, I think that's like a perfect segue to talk about the female relationship thing because I also think that's a time in which that is prior to, for those of us who are interested, pursuing or being interested in men in any sort of like a serious, realistic way. That's also a time when I think we express a lot of what I feel is like a pure expression of female intimacy. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of, I mean, we talk about this constantly, but like, yeah. I'm, and I, I mean, and I know this is not unique to us. I mean, if there's one thread that I feel like everyone <laughs> kind of admits to amongst my female friends is like, we were extremely sexual with each other yeah. and my group of friends, I mean, although maybe this part wasn't overtly sexual, I mean, we had something called rubbing parties. Right. Like, <laughs> and it was like, we would get, take our shirts off and massage each other. Or like a little younger than that, I had a friend, several friends, but one friend that it was very constant with. We did this, we played this game that we literally called the game. Yeah. And we would pretend we were other people and we would come up with like very detailed storylines for these people. And sometimes she was a boy and sometimes I was, and we would, you know, I mean, I think when we were like made out, we like put our hand in between (laughs) our mouths. That's exactly, exactly how it went for me too. We didn't call it the game, but we called it, it was, it was so close, but it was almost exactly the same thing. Like elaborate storylines sort of gender fluidity within that. And it was hot. I mean, like, although we had our hand in between our mouths, we were dry humping. For sure. And I definitely remember, I think, coming a few times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and I think that was even before I really knew what the hell that was. I was just about to say, yeah, experiencing an intense, amazing sensation. Right. But, yeah. And I think that is stolen from us too. And, you know, I think where, what I've always felt, and I have not really been able to express this in my life, really, I think until I met you, mm. like I always felt a, a, a physical intimacy with my female friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely when I was younger, but also there was a, a comfort later too yeah that even if it wasn't happening i thought well it'd be no big deal i mean and even when i got a little bit older so now we're like into like 14 15 maybe it sort of morphed into like we're doing this to each other and then i remember like i went to fire island with a few friends it was the summer it was right after like my last year of camp Mm -hmm. and i feel like that was a very like initiatory like becoming a woman moment for me actually yeah anyway we it was a few of us in fire island and we all decided we were like really horny and had to masturbate and talked about all the different ways that we do it and so you just did it together in the same room no we we went into different rooms but we knew we were all doing it right and we talked about how we were gonna do it oh interesting and yeah, like what we like and what we don't like. And I think it started with us all together, but it was like this very interesting, like separating period of like, yeah, we can only go this far. And going back to that concept of like before it's stolen, 
like I never knew what to do with that, with that sort of female sexual thing, because I didn't and still really don't feel a desire to be in like a serious romantic relationship with a woman. Mm. So like gay women were sort of out of the question. Right. Yeah. Like it didn't make logical sense aside from like drunken nights in college to fool around with my straight women friends. Mm -hmm. And even when that happened, I feel like it often felt like it was happening for the sole purpose of like the male gaze in some way. Right. Which is more complex, of course, than it sounds. It's also fine. Also fine. (laughs) Yeah. Also great. Yeah. Um, Feels good as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I I didn't really know what to do about that and what I think I've recognized through you and through some other women who I've met recently is that I think there is just a natural sexual, not even explicit, but just like sexual, comfortable, open quality between female friendships. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to sleep next to you (laughs) right and like yeah i want to kiss you and it's not like a intense like i'm gonna throw you up against a wall and fuck you type of a feeling although sometimes that happens i guess sometimes (laughs) but it's just more of like a uh yeah i don't know it's hard to describe yeah it's like a grounding almost like like a a certain certainly a deepening of intimacy you know physically potentially but also like emotional and psychological and you know like i rem- like i remember when you know in those early experiences with female friends like a shift there was a period of time when you know sort of the touching and the playing and the like uh the physical contact felt like an exploration of like sensation. Mm -hmm. It was like, what does it feel like when I touch you like that? Or like when you touch me like that, you know, there was just like part of that early was like figuring out our bodies as they related to each other. But then I remember this neighbor friend and she and I used to do that. And then one day she came over and it just like went to the next level. Mm. Like we were naked and I was like on top of her, just like rubbing my body all over her. And like, I don't remember coming. I don't even know how old I was exactly. But after that experience, I like, I cried and like, I felt almost panicked and what I sort of, how I sort of see that now is that that was the first time I felt like intense sexual drive and energy like in my direction. Mm. And it was happening with this friend of mine who I loved and knew. And so it was safe, but it was also like, oh, this, this is this is kind of big, like in terms of who we are individually. Yeah. But because it was safe and because it was within the context of like this evolving female friendship, it was kind of like, it was kind of like, kind of like the perfect way to do that. 
to like feel that for the first time, I think. Um, and that, you know, I think that's that sort of development or that sort of learning, I should say, has like persisted. And of course, my sexuality has changed and grown and I understand it better than I did when I was 12. But, you know, that like fluidity and that like that tendency toward like, yeah, just intimacy with women. Like it's deeper than just, you know, wanting to fuck. Yeah. I actually totally remember a very specific situation with that too, where I did a sort of game like I did with, but it was later. So we were older. Mm -hmm. It was like a very important time of transition, I think. And it, it got super out of hand like that. I mean, out of hand, whatever. But like, we yeah. were like, Ugh. and I remember feeling how into it she was and having this like, just awful sort of pit of despair thinking like, this is one of those things that if anybody found out mm. would mm -hmm. be really bad. Mm -hmm. And it made me nauseous. Like, because it went from, we can play around with this to like, wait a second, like this is actually happening now. And I'm starting to understand what this actually is. And I know there's something like, it felt, you know, culturally shameful about yeah. it. And we're not playing anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I said perfect, you know, like that was sort of the perfect way to feel that feeling for the first time but in the moment and for months and I think maybe even years afterward that's not how I viewed it you know I I wasn't I didn't regret it and I eventually after that sort of intense emotional response you know there was no like there were no hard feelings or anything yeah, no. but like but it's only looking back on it that I can see how sort of pivotal and actually positive it was in the moment. It felt like fucking chaos and like, it just felt like really swift learning too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, I mean, I don't, I could, there's some ways that I could talk about this, but I think, there's so much in that too. That's not just like, this is wrong, but there's actually some sort of, you know, purpose, insidious purpose within culture to pit women against each other. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the sexual intimacy is actually a bridge to cure that in some way. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've been in, <laughs> we were talking about this yesterday, like, uh -huh. I mean, just like, let's say having a three way with a man, uh -huh. which we have, uh -huh. um, that in and of itself is novel. Right. But we've had it in a situation where it was like, I mean, we hate these words, but like <laughs> your ex, yeah. my current partner. So that's really novel. That's another level of novel. And then, <laughs> level two now. yeah. Yeah. And then it's not just like, 
oh, one night of hot sex. It's like, oh, and let's actually extend this into a six-day vacation. (laughs) Where, like, and this isn't, like, we're not, like, in a polyamorous situation. Like, that's not what's going on. No, not at all. I mean, it is, like... (laughs) poly and amorous but that yeah yes but like right um but it's not that it's just like i love this person you love that person we love each other we're all extremely sexual and yeah why not and and like last night you know like we're having these conversations between us you know and you and i are talking about this stuff these these layers yeah. these levels and in the same conversation you know expressing gratitude for each other and then also talking about you know my partner mm-hmm. who is like it just feel like it just feels like the the integ- like the understanding extends certainly past this moment that we're in or moments we've been in before, but it, but it just like, it deepens every aspect of our lives and like certainly doesn't detract from any prominent relationship. No. Or, and in fact does the opposite. Exactly. Yeah. So like you and I can be talking about how cool and sexy and fun, you know, our friendship is and also like how much we love our partners yeah and because we've had this experience together these sexual experiences together yeah it allows us to like understand that love even more deeply Mm -hmm. it's like it just keeps getting deeper and deeper yeah and i think not only that i mean and i don't really i can't really speak from experience in this sense like our partners don't know each other very well but like i know they will yeah soon it's like we're all in the same tribe and there's already a lot of love there and it's like i see that as also a bridge between men and male friendships for sure yeah yeah there's no like nobody's threatened nobody's like certainly jealous but more than that like you know even anxious or like caught up in the details in a way that could be distracting or confusing it's like oh this is clean flowing it's the current (laughs) clean flowing water yeah like yeah i mean we talk about this in the context of like there's i think women are often quite like proprietary about their relationships right there's like this Mm deep-seated insecurity and competitiveness yeah um like i think i have my theory you know, uh, we met someone recently who just in the past couple of years, like got fake tits and started injecting fillers into her lips and dyed her hair and was wearing tons of makeup. And I think it's like the end goal in a lot of these women's minds is to attract men. Mm-hmm. But I think what's actually happening is that in order to get to that point, there's like this, like, <laughs> like, field of women that they have to get through right so it's not even like i've not been with any man that has genuinely i mean maybe these are just the guys that i'm choosing to hang out with Mm. but none of them are into any of that no yeah not at all uh you know at least not 
like into like maybe it's an enhancement that's fun to sort of you know in certain scenarios but it's not like something they seek out or like make a decision around exactly or is even like important to them which is interestingly like we talk about this too like there's some like neither one of us is like a fucking supermodel by any stretch of the imagination and we were just talking this morning about this experience that we both had where like (laughs) i feel like and this is part of why i think i wasn't super promiscuous well i was also in monogamous relationships but even when i wasn't i sensed how like potent this current was Mm -hmm. um but we were saying how today it's like we walk down the street and sometimes i'm like do I have like a stain on my shirt? <laughs> exactly. Or like, are my pants off? Is or, my shirt see through? Did yeah, I like, like miss something? Because the looks that we've gotten uh-huh. from men have been so intense. And I, I, I would ask, I mean, I would generally ask like the male partners I was with, I was like, can you explain this to me? Like, what is this thing that's going on? Like, right. why is it that you know, like, you know what's happening? Yeah. And I think just going back, like, that's, what I think men are attracted to is this like animalistic. They're both attracted to, and in most cases, I think terrified of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This. Or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we've, and we should talk about this too. Like I have had nothing but extremely contradictory experiences with men in terms of, I want you to be a hungry, dirty, ravenous whore, but I only want that for myself. Right. And so I know, and because I know somewhere deep down that that's unrealistic, the only way to make this work if I keep you is to knock you off of that and disempower you. Yeah. And, I think it's been very confusing for both of us because on the one hand, like I had a partner who we weren't really a couple, like we were just seeing each other and we never really got to a point where it was like, this is exclusive or this isn't. We stopped seeing each other for a long time and I went and I slept with somebody else and saw him again and we had sex pretty quickly upon seeing each other. Mm-hmm. And I remember like while we were having sex, him asking me if I'd fucked anybody else. And I could tell I didn't, I wasn't answering it directly, but like he was, he was so turned on by the thought. Mm. And then we stopped having sex and we actually had a conversation about it. And I told him and he was like horrified. Right. And I was like, I'm not dumb. Like I know what just happened. He was horrified. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I went on such a tangent there, but like that, my, my point in saying that though, is that I think that is what men are both attracted to and repelled by. Yeah. And afraid of. Yeah. And do you think like, because I've always felt like, because I was that way of like, Well, and we always say how, like, that sort of intense sexual desire doesn't at all mean we don't want one primary intimate relationship. Right. It's not, it's not just, like, (laughs) 
yeah, it's not a, it's, it's still a quality thing. And, and I don't mean that in a sort of reductive sense. I just mean like, we want to feel connection and depth. Yeah. Like this energy doesn't mean that we like need to be fucked by everyone and anyone. Oh yeah. Not at all. But we are to your earlier sort of observation or our observation yesterday, sort of walking around and feeling that like <laughs> directed male energy. That one guy who almost fell off his chair. <laughs> so we were eating ice cream cones. Yeah. <laughs> Probably too slowly. Um, with very like pointed eyes. Contact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but just the like you and I are like, and I think a lot of women, um, we're walking around like animals in heat. Yeah. And, you know, it's impossible not to pick up on that. And there's no like, there's no like touchstone or certainly like cultural framework for understanding that in a woman who like we were saying isn't doing it for any reason other than it's who she is Mm -hmm. you know it's not like we're putting that energy out there because we want attention oh yeah it's like a show right or because we want that guy who nearly fell off his chair to like jump up and like rip our clothes off. That's but I mean, I'd be fine with it. <laughs> sure. But <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Yeah. But it's, it's, yeah, it's deeper than that. And it's, and that's why it's so complicated. It's like, what? Like I recognize this and I mm. recognize you and I like it and I want it, but like, what is it? Yeah. You know, like we've obscured so much of this natural truth culturally. And so I think men are certainly confused by it and sometimes threatened and sometimes, you know, afraid Mm -hmm. and women too. It's like (laughs) we're, everyone's sort of running around in the dark with their eyes, you know, it's like we know where we are, but like we can't see or something right now. Yeah. And do you feel like, because you like I was that was always one thing I always understood about myself and I always thought like I'm pretty sure this open relationship thing could work for me because I recognize that like I am a sexual being yeah and I want to be intimate and even there's a level of emotional intimacy there it's not like I'm in love with many people no but I I love people for sure yeah and I want to express that love in a way that feels authentic which to me is sexual right it's like a handshake like i love you you're cool you're attractive let's fuck right um (laughs) but because i think i always understood that about myself even though i for a long time hadn't experienced non-monogamy like at all i i knew i had to sort of extend that same courtesy to the man that i was with of course yeah and um, that only was able to happen, I think, because of a deep understanding of my own sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, even sort of not knowing exactly how that was going to look, um, certainly. you, Yeah, that dictated a lot of how I 
acted in relationships and also how I wanted my partner to act even when things were like <laughs> maybe not as fleshed out as they are now. Mm-hmm. I remember my high school boyfriend when we broke up. We uh, we broke up in like March or something and then we had sex all summer. <laughs> as one does. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and <laughs> I hope you guys hear that. I'm gonna yeah, leave that in. That's the uh, sounds of the resident in. <laughs> um, yeah, he told. So we were hanging out one night with some friends, one of whom became my next boyfriend. <laughs> sure. And uh, he told. He said, the ex. He said something that I love or something that I really like about Aaron. And he said this like, so like, er like earnestly and just like, it was so pure. He goes, she doesn't get upset when I check out other girls. Oh my God. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, why would I? And probably not only accept, I would not only get upset. I would like encourage it for, I'd be like, look at that hot chick over there. Right. And I mean, maybe when I was 17, 18 and like, I mean, that was my first serious relationship. Mm -hmm. I was still trying to figure out like what that all meant to me and like how I wanted it to go. Like I certainly knew at that point, you know, by then that like my desire to fuck other people did not detract from how much I loved him or cared about him or respected him. And in fact, as we were saying, it's the opposite. It's like in some ways, but we weren't there yet. You know, we were, we were just sort of (laughs) young and monogamous and figuring Mm -hmm. it out. But I appreciated him saying that because even then I was like, Oh yeah, why would I be? Oh yeah. That is kind of a unique thing, you know, specific to me anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> Remember why I told that story now? Oh, no, the no. That's why. Distracting. <laughs> Hotel uh, sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating because I think it's like there's this, like, I was really maybe pleasantly surprised about how, like, I think the common narrative around non-monogamy and whatever else uh is that it like opens you up to more risk in regard right to your primary partnership like well if that person's fucking a bunch of other women there's the potential that they're gonna fall in love with that person and not only that but now it sets up this whole jealousy thing because i'm in competition with them and yeah you know i think and we've to be fair, like this is a very nuanced discussion because I think we've both been in situations where there was maybe a bit of non-monogamy or just straight up cheating and betrayal Yeah, where like, if there isn't a core alignment between the primary two people that these things can happen and they hurt like hell and oh. are terrible yeah. and are competitive and are, you know, of course, you yeah. know, reek with jealousy. Um, however, in an aligned partnership that is honest and clean, what I've found so miraculous is that literally the opposite has happened. Yeah. I mean, not only am I, is the intimacy between the p- primary partnership straightened, but my confidence in myself increases 
because I mean, and in my case, no, this is not the type of openness that I partake in or that we both in, Mm -hmm. we both do to, for the most part, is that like, this isn't a like, go off and do what you want to do and don't tell me anything about it. No. It's like either I'm going to be there because I think women are hot and let's all do this together. Yeah. Or like, I want to know and I'm encouraging it and then we talk about it. Yeah. But like. And then we fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Because. A lot. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But like through, especially hearing about other women and it's much more so meeting them and hanging out with them. Like, I get why the person who's with me wants to be with me. Like, and I know what in that person they're attracted to. Like I see a part of myself, but it's not all of me. Yeah. And it's like, I not only that, but then there's like this mirroring that occurs of like, I learn about myself through that other person as well. Yeah. And like, there's all this weird projection stuff going on, which is extremely informative. Yeah. And the more I, am around other women openly and honestly, the more I see myself for who I am. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 And actually that's kind of like one of the inherent fallacies of monogamy is that like you have to protect and covet this thing because it's precious and by this relationship, I mean, Mm -hmm. and by, you know, opening it up um like you said you you open the door for risk but really what you're opening the door for is like deeper communication um like better understanding of of, like you said of that person and of yourself and through the people they choose to have sex with but also just like watching them be free in the world Mm -hmm. you know like Like, of course, like I want to be here with you because I love you and I respect you and I want you to like grow and live the life you want to live and I want to do it together. Right. But part of doing it together means like giving each other like not space in a like (laughs) typical way, but like giving each other opportunity to like, yeah, to have experiences and and yeah and by saying like not only do i want you to go have that experience i want you to come back and fucking tell me about it in slow detail yeah (laughs) like that's that's deepening like that's like profoundly and it's active you know like you're setting yourself up in a relationship that way to be like completely present with that person and to you know shit's gonna happen no matter what like things are gonna be hard and you know people can still grow in different directions even when they're communicating but if you establish that sort of habit and you do it in in a way that feels good like you know sex with other people I feel too like you're gonna you're gonna be more in tune with each other in general so when bigger issues and problems or inflection points arise you're like more equipped to handle them yeah because you've laid the groundwork for that yeah and i think like a important clarifying point here and i think this is a lot of what i misunderstood and what i hope to like share with people is that in an aligned situation none of this is hard work oh yeah no it's like i think (laughs) there's this 
you know, especially like the popularization with specifically polyamory, which yeah. seems to be the most pop culture yeah. acceptable standard alternative relationship. Yeah, <laughs> right. Which isn't what not either one of us is into. No. Um, but there's this within that space specifically, there's this like framework around like, you know, not that this isn't hard work and it takes a lot of this. And like, it's like you're pushing against like trying to open a door that doesn't open. Right. And like, that's not at all what that it should be. No. In any context. And if it feels like that, it's not fucking aligned. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's if you choose monogamy or non-monogamy or, yeah. or whatever it's, you know, effortful is different from like effortful and active is different from, like you said, trying to fucking open a locked door or yeah. whatever. It's like, this is not hard. This is the easiest thing I've ever done. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's, Ref- because it reflects who we are yeah very deeply yeah yeah i mean it's yeah it's fascinating and like <clears throat> i mean going back to the whole female friendship thing too like we laugh all the time like we've had sex with a lot of the same people <laughs> yeah soon to be probably Se- more i was gonna say soon to be more <laughs> yeah and that is I mean, and we're not even in a primary part a romantic partnership, but that's a deepening for us as well. For sure. Yeah. And like an honor. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like yeah. we, it's like a, I mean, we talk about it in like funny masculine terms about like, we're going to suck these guys' gogs and then high five. <laughs> and then high five each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, it's cool and it's like fun to, it's such a like huge aspect of female intimacy not just the sexual piece but that part too of like sharing open sexual experiences with one another that is so cut off yeah and we're so into it so into it (laughs) yeah like i want to have those experiences with you and i want to compare notes because also like i love sex and sex is fun intellectually and experientially and like you're my friend and i want to talk to you about that and what a better way to do that in a intimate way than to literally fuck the same people yeah and again with the layers it's like we learn about who the other one is individually sexually we learn about who we are together sexually but Mm -hmm. also like because we're talking about it so openly, we, you know, we're strengthening our understandings of ourselves in a way that's like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Or like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's 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 cool. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk. What? I was going to ask you one quick question. Yeah, go. What do you think about the concept of like, I think I know what you think, but. <laughs> ask you anyway for the podcast listener yeah <laughs> the concept of tmi because i feel like within female friendships in particular yeah there's this like like it's kind of tossed out as this like safety net or something like in discussions about sex it's like i feel like i want to tell you this thing that means a lot to me and like is you know generally like dirty in in nature Mm -hmm. but like i don't want you to feel like 
like I'm putting this on you or like it's going to make this weird. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've. I, you know, it's as you're saying this, I'm sort of realizing this for the first time that like I didn't have these types of discussions. Yeah. Or experiences with friends. And I didn't share. I mean, everyone knew I was like the sexual one for sure. Right. But I didn't talk about details. And I think very much to my detriment in the sense of like, I had no one to be like, that's not normal or normal is a terrible word. But like that you can have more than that. Or that's not that doesn't sound very healthy. Or, hey, like, let me tell you about the way I like to be fucked. And, you know, for me, a big part of my lack in partnership with men was a lack of, like, desire, Mm -hmm. animalistic desire on their part. Mm -hmm. Not that that wasn't there sometimes, but I wanted it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to walk through a room naked and have someone throw me up against a wall because they (laughs) just couldn't fucking control themselves. Right. That was hot to me. That's how all of the hottest sex I ever had took place was like, I need this and I need it now. Um, and I wasn't getting that, but because I wasn't talking to anybody about that, I, I think in a lot of ways assumed it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. that it was fake or only existed in porn or in movies or in fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't, because I wasn't sharing openly about that stuff. It was like, no one could be like, Oh, actually I just fucked this guy, you know, <laughs> yeah. last week. And yeah, he tied me up and threw me against a wall. Yeah. Um, if you're into that, I recommend it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want his number? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, And the reason I wasn't sharing openly about that stuff, I mean, probably partially because I knew there was a lack of alignment. Mm -hmm. wasn't much to share. Yeah. But also because there was that point somewhere in my early teens and in adolescence where, like, it wasn't cool anymore. Right. To do that. And, And I would get direct reactions from female friends about that. Like, I don't want to hear about that. Right. Um, and because there were so few people that I recognized were similar to me in the way that you are, it was like talking to a brick wall or something. Yeah. Like they just didn't get it. Yeah. And since meeting you, and we've talked about this a little bit, but maybe not super explicitly. I feel like other female friendships of mine have opened up. Mm. It's like by talking to you and like having these intellectual WhatsApp mini podcasts (laughs) that I realize like how important these conversations are. Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe it's in part like, you know, that's always the lens, but now it's like, I'm throwing open the door in a way. And these friends are like walking through it and they're like, Oh yeah. Like, that's right. We can talk about this shit. Like the other day I was sitting on a bench with a friend. I've known her for years and I respect her and love her. And we're, we have a close friendship, but 
she said she started talking about her new relationship and like fantasies that she has and that he has. And at one point she just said, like, you know, I want to tell you something and I'm sorry if this is TMI. And like, (laughs) I was like, there's literally no such thing as TMI as far as I'm concerned from these friends. But then we had like a 40 minute conversation about like getting DP'd and like having dudes like come on your face and it's like 11 a.m. And we'd never had that conversation. We never even had anything close to that Mm -hmm. level of like specificity. And I feel closer to her. Like, I feel like I understand her better and not just because this is the shit that I care about and the way that I'm oriented, but also because she wanted to talk about that and it felt just like so obvious and natural. Like, yeah, we're women, we're sexual women. Like we should have these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like I went through a very, mm, like huge transition over the past couple of years. And I think, I mean, I didn't really have a ton of close female friends at all. Uh, and I think, separated from quite a number of them sort of realizing that there was like just a lack of alignment. Like I'm this person now and this is who, I mean, first of all, this is who I always have been. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hide that anymore. And if you're not cool with that, then like, that's cool, but I need to go elsewhere to like, yeah, get what I need. Um, and uh, however, I've now begun many new relationships with women, um, and have, pretty much from the onset been extremely open and vocal about my sexuality and about things that I, I mean, still, there's still a bit of terror. Um, but you know, power dynamics and like the structure of my relationship and the way that my sexuality takes place in terms of like dominance or submissiveness or the the structure of my relationship and what that looks like within the realm of non-monogamy and I've been so grateful and pleasantly surprised at how grateful everyone has been to receive that information right like like I'm sitting there like trembling (laughs) like they're gonna like call the cops on me because (laughs) I want to be slapped (laughs) and like, and yet, you know, in kind of talking about this stuff and, and also a lot of my friends that I've made recently were through meeting them through astrology. And so a lot of us are very interested in like mythology. Yeah. And so to talk about it through that framework as well, Mm -hmm. um, has resonated with them deeply and they've let me know that. And it, it's, I mean, I'm so fucking grateful that they exist and are open to it. And I feel like, I mean, we talk about this too, that, you know, we all, I think, have like gifts or, you know, jobs to do in the world. Yeah, things to offer. Things to offer. And I think for me... Like that has always been sexuality and gender and it's cool to finally recognize that there's value there Mm -hmm. and that people want it and are soaking it up. Need it. 
Yeah. Even. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, just like, thankfully things have aligned in the sense that now there are people in my life who are open to that in ways I truly didn't know existed. Yeah. Yeah. Something you said last night <laughs> that I'm going to borrow steal i don't know whatever we should we're all sharing we just share share it all yeah uh you said a vulnerability hangover oh yeah i kind of maybe stole that from brene brown so i can't tell okay well whatever (laughs) (laughs) thank you Brene. Um, but i love that concept because especially as it pertains to this subject matter because yeah you know that tells you something first off that what you've said is real yeah. You know, the reason for the vulnerability hangover, it's like you've put yourself out there in a way that's like totally authentic and real. And then, you know, the what you're receiving and what you're getting back is like, no, this is the shit. Like, yeah, this is where the the juice is and the and the, you know, sort of the real conversations. And this is what. I want to be talking about and so many other so many of our women friends want to be talking about and are looking for people and places to do that yeah and I think it's so important to I mean like we have to get above I mean for anybody like that's listening or just in this world like to just I mean, it's an intuitive thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I know this is how I feel. I know this is pure. I know this is right, quote unquote. And I'm just going to fucking say it. I mean, this is about anything, whether it's like expressing something sexually or like standing up for yourself about having your feelings hurt. And the more you do that, the more you allow yourself to go into those vulnerable spaces, the more you realize in the right context that that is safe to do yeah the more the easier it becomes you know and like i mean i i feel myself like leveling up yeah in in all of those ways right emotionally just in relationships sexually of like I'm going to try this and see. And I feel strong enough and confident and sure now enough now that if I get back a negative reaction, that I'm not internalizing that. I know it's not about me. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, maybe if there's any sort of work in all of this, that all of this, it's that of like, just moving. Like one of my favorite quotes is like, um, That is not my favorite quote. Uh, um, that that's like a long one. Yeah, well, it's just. <laughs> it's funny that the noise okay. was happening before we were recording, and I was like, "That is a funny noise to have happen during <laughs> this <laughs> podcast." Um, that like courage isn't the absence of fear; it's fear walking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, by being that deeply, truly vulnerable, you set yourself up to receive whatever's going to come back from that. Right. And, like, you position yourself in a place of strength. Right. Yeah. And it is. It's like exercising. It's like kegling. 
Yeah. <laughs> like you have to flex and keep doing it so that it leads you somewhere that, well, first of all, you want to be, but also you just get better at it. Right. And it starts to feel less like at least that like acute anxiety starts to lessen. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. There's so much. So one thing I we should talk about though, um, because we have to we have to save some of this. Oh sure. Um so Aaron and I have decided (laughs) we're gonna we now have official announcement. Official announcement. And we have my whole pod all of my podcast listeners now to hold us accountable, which is good actually. It's good that we're doing this. We do need accountability. (laughs) Um we're gonna start a podcast. To be held accountable. Sorry. Yeah, go on. Okay. <laughs> so Got it. <laughs> Called. Yes. We're going to say it together. Horror Report. <laughs> that was cheesy as fuck. R-A-P-P-O-R-T. Yeah. In case that wasn't immediately obvious. Yeah. Um, And because I think going off of what we've talked about, about like, we have some shit to share. Yeah. To some, say it in the real shit to share, yeah. <laughs> um, and we're gonna have it at least at first just be the two of us, yeah. And we're gonna pick topics such as, uh, well, you mentioned one earlier, power dynamics power for dynamics. sure. Um, just more, I think, a deeper exploration of what this whole whore thing means. Certainly, yeah. I think like female friendships, like female like self presentation. Yeah. Um, rape. Yeah, I was gonna say some light subject. Yeah, matter, like rape. <laughs> yeah. Um, prostitution. Yeah. Uh, yeah. stripping. Like, we're, yeah, we're gonna pick topics. There's so many more. I should have the list in front of me. But <laughs> yeah, it's in a Google Doc. Don't worry. It's a lot of them. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, abortion. Yeah. Uh, uh monogamy, non-monogamy, polyamory, yeah, all the ease. <laughs> yeah and we're gonna pick a topic and we're gonna just talk about it and like ask for each other's opinions and what's unique about me and Aaron is that I mean we only met like December Feb- was it that early well I think our whatsapp oh the whatsapp thing but I mean like I, yeah but oh like met in person yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like February. was like February yeah yeah um, and most of our messages or most of our getting to know each other has been through WhatsApp messages. Mm-hmm. And so there's a genuine, like we haven't spent a lot of time together. No, we're still very much learning about each other, which is funny because I've like done more with you <laughs> than like people I've known for decades. Uh, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, we barely know each other. I know. <laughs> don't know. Um, so there's like a genuine, I think, curiosity that we both have and like a deepening of our connection and relationship and our intimacy. We, I made a joke that I was like, we're basically just going to like become friends on a podcast. Like it's the most millennial thing ever. Literally most millennial. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, that will be fun and important and, um, yeah, the episodes, I don't know how long they'll be, but and I don't know how often we'll release them. Yeah. But we can tr- we can try to set a <laughs> set up some kind of framework. Hashtag logistics. Exist in it. Yeah. But the goal is to launch it in the fall. Um 
And yeah, at first it's just going to be us talking and um, maybe one day if and when we run out of topics, which seems impossible. It does. But um, we'll bring, I think especially for some of the more, like we want to talk about sex trafficking, but like none of us can really, neither one of us can actually fucking speak to that in any sort of an intelligent, experiential way. Yeah. Um, So in certain circumstances where I think the topic ask for it to bring people requires an expertise of some sort. Um, but I think the vast majority will just be the two of us. So this was, uh, part of our, not just accountability plan, but kind of like intro to the world. Step one. (laughs) Um, I, I just like pains me to stop recording. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. But, uh, we should to be continued. Oh wait, but before we go, yeah, I have to do to you. To do to you. <laughs> do to everyone. Say it like that. Um, if you had to recommend one book to everybody. Oh, Jesus. One book. Um, well, it's actually fiction. And people who know me are going to be like, obviously she said that one. It's like, I'm like a pusher of this book. Um, but it, it, it actually pertains to this conversation. It really sort of opened my eyes to certain relationship dynamics and, um, growth within a relationship and also like how our, uh, emotions and like, shifting understandings of the world kind of tie together and then get like pushed out and reflected in our romantic and sexual relationships. Um, anyway, it's called a visit from the goon squad by Jennifer Egan. Um, good stuff, which I guess I should probably read. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. Yeah. (laughs) So many books, though. So many podcasts. So many books. So many we'll books. talk about so many more books on our podcast, I'm sure. For sure. All right. Well, love you. Love you, too. I guess we'll get dressed now, maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe. definitely need a shower. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Signing off. Signing off. <laughs> Hello again. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. It's pretty uh, risque. And it's only going to get more risque on Horror Report. Um, I'll keep you guys updated on the developments with that. Uh, really don't know the logistics yet of when exactly we'll launch it, although fall, definitely. I don't know how frequently we'll release the episodes, but um, maybe Aaron will come on the show again before that. I'm not sure. Uh, but either way, I'll keep you guys updated and let you know when it launches. If anyone has any feedback for us or any suggested topics they'd like us to discuss or hate mail or any of the above, um, Aaron sent, uh, set up an email, whorerapport, R-A-P-P-O-R-T, at gmail.com, so you can contact us there. Um, as a reminder, this show is ad-free, and I'd really love to keep it that way if possible. Um, if you'd like to help support the show and help it grow, um, you can do a bunch of things. You can, first of all, just tell people. That's the best way, I think. Um, most of all, I just want people to hear it. Uh, so if you hear an episode that you think someone you know would enjoy, send them a link. 
Um, you can go into your iTunes app or I'm not sure if other podcasts app do it, but you can uh, leave some stars, a review, and hit subscribe, and all of those things help it show up more prominently in search results um, and gives my ego a boost, which, you know, needs to happen. Um, actually, I'm just kidding. If you want to leave a bad review, you can do that too. Just the feedback. Feedback in general is good. Reminds me uh, that I'm not talking into like a giant black hole. Um, the other thing you can do is you can become a patron. So I, if you go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Anya Cates, A-N-Y-A-K-A-A-T-S, you can send me a few bucks a month. It starts at $5. Um, and uh, it helps support the show. I would really love to make this more of my career, be able to travel more. Um, you know, honestly, the hardest part of having a small podcast or a growing podcast is that finding guests can be difficult. You don't totally have enough clout to ask really famous people to be on it, and you don't totally have enough listenership to where people are suggesting people all the time. So it's sort of like people I have to cold email, people I meet on the road, and thankfully, for the most part, that's happened pretty, um, or relatively easily, I should say. But the more people that listen, the more it builds, the more, you know, I think, content I can provide to you guys. So in the end, that value is really just going through me and back to you. Um, I really do feel like this podcast is mostly a service to you guys. And uh, one of the main reasons I started it was because I went through a really hard time and had nowhere to go. I didn't know where to find people that I agreed with. I didn't know what to listen to, where I could feel like I wasn't alone in the world. And um, I really wanted to provide that for other people. So my biggest goal is just to kind of generate this community, whether that's in person or over the interwebs. Um, but it takes, you know, money, uh, to do that. So to spend more time on this means I have to spend less time on other things that I'm doing that make me money. So all that to say, if you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash Anya Cates. I send out some, um, bonus perks as well, depending on what tier you donate within bonus episodes, columns of inspiration, worksheets, etc. This rain is coming down really hard right now. Um, but yeah, uh, that's it for today. Um, thank you all for being here. I appreciate all of you. If you ever want to just send me a note and say hi, please do. I love the, uh, I love the connection and the, the interaction with you all. I, it's funny to like, the only thing I really have is like numbers and I'm a podcast host <laughs> and I try and sort of envision that there are that many people sitting there listening and engaging with this podcast um and that makes me really happy so i know you're out there even if i don't hear from you directly but if you ever just want to say hi or have a suggestion or some feedback i'd always appreciate it so i think that's it oh wait just kidding i'm gonna play a freaking song um okay so the song i'm gonna play is called the seed 2.0 And I have loved this song. I feel like the first time I heard it, I was really young. I must have been maybe 13 or so. And the lyrics are, um, their lyrics are very interesting. I push my seed in her bu- in her bush for life, uh, among others. It's, um, I'll, I'll let you listen to it and decide, but it's, it's very sexual and dirty and, um, <laughs> potentially fucked up. Uh, but anyway, I heard very early on and after kind of talking to Erin that this was a song Erin really liked as well. And now knowing her, it makes a ton of sense. And I 
I now kind of associate this song with Aaron and our weird sexually explicit friendship. <laughs> sexually explicit and implicit, actually, I should say. Um, it's by The Roots and Cody Chestnut called The Seed 2.0. And it's it's awesome. So enjoy. And I will talk to all of you next time. Change 